And hello again, we're here on Bushido Cast to talk more Bushido. And this is quite a special episode because we've got a guest speaker, Adam, also from the Average Gamers podcast, coming along to talk to us about two factions in our Star Sets and Beyond series. So, Adam, great to have you on the show. Hi guys, yeah, thanks thanks for having me on. Uh, it's great to be here. No worries. So, do I... Do you want to just have a little chat about who you are and what experience you have with wargaming? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So, so I've been wargaming for a number of years now, um, and I think it all started when I was uh, quite young, uh, probably about 12, 13, started playing like probably most of us did, 40k. Um, but coming on a number of years, I think the last 10 years, which kind of matter the most, um, I've been playing a lot of Infinity, uh, a lot of board games. Um, some of my fondest memories actually are kind of like the the different infinity tournaments um, that we used to go to. So uh, both both Craig and Darren, like I've I've gone to a number of different tournaments with. Um, one in particular, so we both we all went to the interplanetary uh, for infinity oh, yeah, yeah. out in Spain, which yeah. was like a the basically the kind of uh, world championships for for infinity the game. So that was a number of years ago, but that was really good fun. Um, that was really good, yeah. But I, I feel like, um, so yeah, I've started playing Bushido recently. I definitely had an intro to Bushido um, a number of years ago in second edition. Um, I was interested in it, but none of the kind of faction sets really stood out to me. Um, but, you know, come on a couple of years and, and now we're in third edition. Um, and two of the sets that we're going to talk about today, I've both picked up. Um, and the this kind of art style and the characterful nature of the kind of factions that we're going to be talking about really pulled me back into the game. So, yeah, brilliant. And yeah, we should say so today we're actually we're going to focus on the Minamoto clan and the Wolf clan slash Shio clan, <laughs> whichever way you want to look at it at the moment. Pretty much just the Wolf clan, aren't they? Really? Yeah, really. That's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to say, so that one's not technically a starter set, but it's not going to stop us covering them. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's, it's badge is more an advanced set, but uh, it's a really nice kit and uh, some great models in there. You can get your hands on it. Yeah, and, and we, we basically want, really wanted Adam on because he has played a lot with both of these factions and uh, I've played against him a lot because of that, but we wanted someone who's got the inside knowledge of the faction to really give some advice. You uh, you hold me in too high esteem, both of you. <laughs> Honestly, I've uh, I've not got that much knowledge, but I'm happy to impart any of my learnings that I've had by playing these two factions upon your listeners. That's that's all right. That's that's what me and Craig do week in week out at the moment. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> um. So yeah, which one would you like to start with? Well, I think let's start. Let's start with the big one. Let's start with the Minamoto, the Bear Clan. Um. So these guys, yeah, I, I, as soon as I saw their kind of artwork and their kind of their models, I was bought into these guys. Look at them carrying those Tetsubos around, those giant kind of like um, clubs, and they're like really, really kind of fantastic kind of samurai armor. Um, really kind of a sight to see in terms of the models. Um, I was instantly drawn in. Um, but yeah, these guys are these guys are pretty fantastic as a faction really fun to play on the battlefield um i guess the things that stand out to me most in terms of their kind of faction traits is they have uh pretty much armor three or more on most their kind of uh 
models, which um, I probably when I started playing, I was like, oh, that's not that good. It'll be all right. I'll shrug, shrug off a couple of points of damage here and there. But um, I, I, I've seen your two faces as I'm playing against you and you're making damage rolls and going, this isn't getting through anywhere. Like, it must be pretty frustrating to play against. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's tough. It's It really, I mean, we, we've mentioned this before, but it really stops those high damage rolls. It just puts everything in the average to low <laughs> um, of, the, of the damage charts. So it's really hard to get some good hits in. Yeah, it's, it definitely stops the um, the higher end uh, damage um, uh, output uh, just because of the shape of distribution. And um, if you're playing with armies that have quite modest strength or, or minuses to strength, like the Baki Mono and Jung Pirates have uh, quite a lot of models that are in that bracket, it can start to feel like a real uphill struggle. And uh, yeah, then, then that then that armor starts to feel pretty much uh, impenetrable. And um, in return, uh, when you haven't got armor and these guys do have access to um, some good damage output, it, it can be quite tough. Yeah, I think the um, the other thing to mention on top of that armor three then is is pretty much all the faction. In fact, I think all the faction have seven hit points, which is pretty pretty tasty. But as coupled with that kind of armor three, it can really feel like you are you have to concentrate pretty pretty hard on some of those models to kind of bring them down, which are kind of like. Uh, I was just going to say one. It's one of the things that possibly worth noting at the moment is that I think if this game was a pure you know, 40k style beat em up. I think this would be like by far the best army. <laughs> but it's not, it's not thankfully because of the missions. Um, you know, it's a balanced army because of that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I guess this kind of links into their kind of other faction trait, which I find really interesting to play with. And definitely one I struggled with in the kind of early game was uh, the bear stands alone. So this is um, their kind of core faction trait that's. I, th- I think present on all models. I could be wrong though, um, but the majority of them do have this trait, and it gives them in indomitable one, um, as long as they're not within three inches of another kind of um, faction model. And I think this is really unique to them, which is they they got a lot of armor, they got a lot of hit points, they hit hard, but you're very rarely going to see them kind of ganging up on people because they really need to make use of that kind of bear stands alone. Yeah, and I think you've actually started using that really fantastically because initially I, I saw that as a defensive rule and actually you started using it offensively. Um, if you want to explain the Minamoto slingshot or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, well, <laughs> so this is something we coined in a couple of games back, but it's actually worked really well in, in a couple of games now. And this is where I've kind of noticed where people will generally put one of their kind of more expensive melee orientated characters in front of maybe a weaker support character to defend them. Um, and obviously I, I'll move up with my Minamoto samurai guy. He'll engage the front front melee person as an action. And if I've still got another action left, um, I'll do another melee action, but I'll move my character, slingshot them round the base to engage the person at the back. And because obviously I don't care about, um, uh, I've got Indomitable, so I don't care about being outnumbered, it enables you to really effectively engage those people who are who are trying to hide at the back. And I tell you what, those those models that get, get hit, they do not appreciate it. No, I mean, you've done that a few times against my squishy little Tengu Owls, and um, yeah, <laughs> that did not last long. It's an interesting thing, because like, 
two two of the main debuffs in the game are outnumbering people and getting them one when they're um, exhausted. And uh, interestingly, the two factions we're covering today have kind of got tech against those things. And um, so, sort of using that to your advantage is is really, um, I think it's key to these guys. I, I, I think what's interesting, though, is that, Adam, you're basically proactively trying to spread your force out to make the most of it to actually get value out of it rather than just accidentally kind of situationally it might be useful if it was I know the last model in your warband kind of thing because you, you generally cluster or something like that and that's really good because you're paying for it on I think most of your samurai and ashigaru seem to have it so you're probably paying quite a lot for it across your force and it is a really powerful rule um, and easy perhaps to overlook when you uh, first get into these guys because maybe you don't necessarily see how that's going to come up too often because a fringe bubble around each guy I suppose is quite a lot of space um, but yeah you, you tend to sort of fan out quite a lot and uh, yeah that, that's that's a great way of getting more value out of these models because they can tend to outclass people uh, even if they're you know multiple combatants against them they can still outclass them so yeah so I, I, I think that's been really great to see and um, and and to kind of watch them play that way makes them very distinct to anything else I've seen yeah definitely and I think the um I guess the final trait to kind of talk a bit about then is um, a lot of the Minamoto models will have resistance. Um, so resistance is an ability which increases the value of your opposed key tests, which is super handy on some of these kind of Minamoto guys. Um, so naturally as a faction, a lot of them kind of Ashigaru or blacksmiths, well, mainly the Ashigaru, have only got kind of one key stat which um, can be a bit punishing at times, but I think if you start to really notice the value of resistance on the kind of bigger samurai or the Shenguja that they've got, where you've got kind of a key stat or two or three, and then you're also getting resistance two on top of that, I think it can really like just kind of put people off even trying to do a pose key against them. It just feels a lot of the time like you're kind of throwing your action away. I don't know what you guys think about that. Uh, yeah, no, it felt it felt kind of an uphill struggle with um, the witches. Uh, that, that I've I've used the um, the Birukumin from the Ura uh, starter set. Um, but I, I think the they they struggled a bit because they can't effectively boost and get their spell off. So my tactic there was just throw lots of very low level attacks against you, hoping to eventually get something through. The plus side is whatever got through went past your armor. The downside is you've got more wound um, uh, boxes than anyone else. Uh, so <laughs> you've sort of got, still got some natural and built resilience. And then with the uh, U2 of URA guys, they could kind of boost enough to actually blast through. So they, they kind of had their own way of getting through it. But that did mean that they had to really stay ne near the... Um, the desecrated uh, shrine to, to make sure they could do that efficiently so it kind of restricted them in, in that way so yeah definitely definitely is something to to overcome and it's a great trait to to have because often it means that you um you're pretty much immune to all but the most dedicated opposed key test um going around yeah so i guess um I, I think that's broadly speaking the kind of like key faction traits i mean do, do you guys feel like i've missed anything there uh, the only thing I'd probably throw in is uh, steadfast seems to be quite common. Um, it, it felt generally like you have quite a lot of options when it comes to um, countering fear. 
And we've sort of seen that steadfast can be a bit of a double-edged sword because you you sort of carry on, but you you um, get the modifier for uh, fear. So uh, it's it's good, but it could potentially set you up for a bad a bad fight. I think I think the other thing is probably to say that a, a core feature of Minamoto is that can't boost the movement. They don't really have any movement tech. So although they're not slow per se in the sense of they all move four inches, they never get any faster so they i imagine they can feel a bit slow at times compared to other factions yeah i think i think that's fair the only exception i was going to say is the far cami because i think they can take them and they're pretty fast mm, that's a good point so um if you if you go with kami heavy anyway you can get a bit of speed out of them um the other thing i was thinking of is they they have a lot of the bear something so once your samurai gets down um to i think it's four wounds or uh, they they start to trigger an even nastier ability, even if they weren't, you know, it's like they weren't <laughs> good enough to start with <laughs> after everything we just said. Um, they they kind of get even um, more difficult to deal with, and some of those are really, really good. And I, I don't think that's a common thing for any other faction. That seems very much a Minamoto thing. Yeah, I think you're right there. I th- uh, from, from memory, I think that's mainly present on their samurai and I think also their, their bear, Tetsu. Um, no one else has come to mind at the moment, but they definitely have that ability. And you are right, Craig. Like, it's, it's one of those annoying abilities, especially on kind of the right model that can turn kind of a an easy couple of hits against them to pick away some damage. Uh, to enabling like a a durable state that keeps the person around for another three or four turns, which can be pretty frustrating to play against. So, yeah, I think that's probably the main bits I picked up on. Um, obviously, they've got those new flying discs, which are kind of unique to them. Um, I'm sure there's a few other things that are unique to them, but in terms of traits and things like that, I think that's the, the bits I've picked up on. Um, all makes them very distinct, though, and uh, interesting to play with and against, I'm sure. But, yeah, it just kind of makes them play in a way that is definitely a tanky faction, but it's not, um, not a stereotypical one. Yeah, I, mean, I would like to give um, the Onisha uh, uh, Wrath of the Red Sun to go against these guys one day because I was getting some crazy strength bonuses and they would actually kind of um, blast through some of this armor. So that would be really interesting to see. At the same time, I think you, uh, I think the Minamoto guys could really weld on them as well and just like let let go. So it would be, um, yeah, it could be quite a quite an interesting matchup to, to try that one out we'll have to give it a go one day i think that'd be very aggressive on both fronts because I, I mean one of the things i found from minamoto is they have all this armor and resistance and that just allows them to play more aggressive because vishido is a bit yeah. like that as a game to be aggressive you have to lower your defense effectively in a combat and um, but minamoto can rely on you know, the armor the, on the with the samurai the, the martial prowess on melee and the high number of natural health points to make sure that even even a sort of fluky hit probably won't kill them so they can just push their luck a little bit more and, and because they've got a lot of weapons that cause plus two damage um they're still they're pretty scary they can be quite aggressive when they want to be yeah i think that's that's a really valid point to make um i've i've often thought <laughs> especially with these guys the best defense is a good offense like they want to be engaging your opponent. They don't want to be, yeah, they've got armor, they've got good defense, but if you're going to sit back and be defensive around a point, like your opponents can still monopolize on that. 
what you want to do is completely flip that on them, be aggressive up in their face and really challenging them to kind of deal with your armor three um, on your terms rather than theirs. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think actually it's one thing I noticed as well. I don't think it's particularly a trait of the army, but they do seem to have a lot of active key feats. And so like I've noticed there's a couple of samurai in particular where I actively want to go in and take an activation off them to make sure that they can't use that key feat against me. I think that reinforces their um, aggressive style, though, because actually they, they don't sort of just... And, and that they're not traditional kind of, we're just going to stand here and let you hit us sort of kind of faction. They they actually want to take the fight to the enemy. And, and that's what I mean. I, I really don't know uh, who would turn that on top in a kind of, you know, more, more of a brawling game if you went for quite two aggressive forces. Because as you were mentioning earlier, on paper, these guys look like they would probably um, table most people in a straight fight. Uh, so even even like, uh, you know, Avengers on Isha, who, who should be quite good at that kind of thing might actually not be enough in, in that kind of matchup. So, yeah, it, I mean, I, I think what's good about these guys is that they're a samurai faction, but they're very distinct, aren't they? And, and you know, they've got lots of cool stuff going on. So you've got plenty of um, plenty of flavour there. Um, but back to you, Adam, what, 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 what would you start with for these guys? Yeah, it's, it's a good point. So I guess, it, well, interestingly, you say they're a samurai faction, but in reality, they've actually only got three samurai models at the moment. Uh, I, I tell a lie, some of their Shenguja are also samurai, but broadly speaking, their main pool of models are actually Ashigaru at the moment. Um, so these Ashigaru fall into two categories, um, unblessed Ashigaru, who are basically all guys that are trying to make it in the Minamoto clan. They're trying to kind of gain their kind of... Um, Okay, reputation so they can actually wear armor and then you've got your kind of standard ashigaru um so the unblessed guys that you can choose from i think there's only two options at the moment so one of these is in the starter set his name's raiku um and then you've got a generic profile card for the unblessed ashigaru um which is an interesting one in itself uh personally both of these unblessed profiles i've not been too um quick to choose and I've, I've struggled to kind of make them work in the broad spectrum of other units that we can choose from um i don't know what your 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 consensus is on this i kind of wish they had a reach because they look like they've got sort of sphere things but um push, push attack could be quite good um but they're not really attacking in my mind with two dice and um yeah i mean the, the health track's great but only two melee dice and um, not a lot of key generation. It's quite hard to get their gang in effect from looking at the right card. It's um, Blesh Ashigaru. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, I, I can kind of see why you, you don't always go for them. They, they look fine. Just I think if they had reached, that would probably mean a bit more to me because I, I quite, um, uh, I would quite like to see these guys have a bit of reach, but, I think as a faction, um, I don't see much reach, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think they definitely try to make it less about the reach and more about the sweep attack with the staffs that they're armed with. I guess one of yeah. the things to point out is um, I think these guys um, work really well in a specific theme. So we talked a bit about this before the show, but the Garrison of the Damned um, gives all Ashigaru Indomitable uh, Rule plus one um native so i think that helps them with the outnumbering aspect and maybe you can put more models on the field but in general 
in a faction where you want to be spread out, taking more models doesn't tend to work as well. So for, for that reason, yes. I've kind of like steered away from them. I guess their one redeeming feature is maybe that they have a charging bonus of Fearless, but again, yeah, um, it, it's very hard to get off. Situationally, that could be good. I think maybe if you're using Gang, you might as well often boost, um, to, be, to be quite honest, uh, you'll get more or less the same um, benefits uh, just boosting your melee pool. So uh, it's not that big a, a key feat either way. Uh, but I mean, as eight, eight rise kind of guys, they're, they're fine for filling out your ranks and, and getting objectives. But um, as you said, you might want to run more on the elite side with these guys. I guess then they're moving on to the meat because we all want to know kind of what the good models are in terms of the Ashigaru. So let's talk about kind of some of the standout profiles. Um, so when you move on to the standard Ashigaru, pretty much all of them start with armor three, which is great. I don't think they go above that, but armor three is like your standard. Great to see. Um, another thing, they're all kind of like one key generators, um, which uh, makes it a bit more challenging to kind of deal with their um, kind of some of their key feats that you want to use. So it does take a bit of time to get them going, particularly using some of their kind of active abilities. Um, but let's talk about the kind of like standout profiles. So there's two here that really kind of jump out at me. Um, the first one is Masaima Aya. Um, so she is um, a fantastic beat stick. I cannot rate her enough. Um, her standout abilities for me, um, Fearless, in a, in a faction where we don't have much much fearless, it's a nice kind of like um, ability to just really get in there and gank someone who's like um, able to put up a bit of a fight. So we're talking about kind of if you're playing Colt and you've got a, a Panangulan or you've got like Yama Uber, like she's kind of one of those people that you can just bring to the fight and not even care about their fear. Um, and I think the second trait that she's rocking that's like absolutely on point is endurance. So the two coupled together, and, and again, you see this in, in far too many of my games, lead me to kind of focus on charging um, because she's able to kind of step up and just engage at that double movement, um, really hit hard. And then the endurance, you're not suffering from um, the outnumbering. Uh, sorry, so the endurance, you're not suffering from charging because you're then exhausted. Um, but you've also got in uh, bear stands alone, so you can be out of place and still stand your ground against other models. Uh, so, what do you guys think of uh, Masaima Aya? Oh, she, I think she's fantastic, and um, the fact he also has veteran as well. I mean, she's really hard to get below three, three dice. Really hard, um, to the point where it's probably not going to happen because <laughs> as long as she's got one key on there as well, uh, she, it shouldn't really happen. Um, so I often find she comes in, hits really hard with a charge move, and then I just try to tie her up and move on. Because I think if you focus on her, she'll probably just she should take on, you know, half your army and probably, be, you know, probably be all right. You know, so she's just far too much effort to kill for a a model that's sixteen rice. You know. Yeah, I think she's really good. Um... She's only a one. She's only one key. That's the only only criticism you could probably have of that profile. Um, but resistance two kind of shores that up somewhat. Um, but yeah, like I said, she just doesn't really take any modifiers. So yeah, she's just great. I mean, uh, yeah, like Darren said, unless you put in an awful lot of effort and a much better fighter, you'll struggle to to take her out. And um, 
yeah, she's she's uh, she's doing a lot for Sixteen Rice, so I can I can still see why she gets in in your list quite often, and she allows you to be quite aggressive as well. I think it's worth calling out as well. There's like a really really nice cycle um, card for one Rice to to boost her just to make her even better. So this is the mountain moves, and it says, well, she's in. Uh, well, no friendly models are within three of her. She gains vengeance enemy, which means she just hits even harder. Like I think vengeance gives you brutal one, um, which is just you know like an the icing on the cake, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, yeah. No, she's she's really good. She's a standout profile for sure. I, th- I think the the other then um, kind of standout Ashi Garu profile for me is Akimi. So he came out recently. Um, he's one of the new Minamoto models. I think, Craig, you mentioned this earlier, that comes with their kind of like unique throwing weapon, which is effectively like a giant metal disc uh, or discus. <laughs> Beautiful. I was like, do you know what? The... I think I was talking to you guys about this a couple of months ago. I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm just missing a bit of ranged weapons in the Minamoto. And lo and behold, they come out with, the best range weapon possible for the uh, for the bear clan which is a giant metal disc uh so these guys kind of hurl them as discus and uh, so this guy in particular so i think he's 15 rice um but the standout things on his profile for me combo attack which is absolutely phenomenal um and uh he's got an uh, an active key feat he can do which is called spin um, it's three keys, so it takes a while to get going, but it kind of increases the range of his attack and also gives them, um, I think, uh, strong, which is like super, super useful. Um, this guy this guy is like a... I, I'm finding it hard to not considering for lists because he's kind of got so much um, board control, I think, with his abilities. Um, it's worth pointing out that like all of the ranged weapons, these... Um, kind of discus that they throw have lightweight which means that you can go from like um pretty much your short range is eight inches so you've got your four inch move and then you've got short range which is another four inches i think your max range is six so it's pr- it's a pretty tight range band so you've got four five six um but yeah this guy just everything jumps out at me this profile looks great the miniature looks fantastic as well um what do you guys think yeah, I, he's still got free armor, hasn't he? Yeah, he's still got free armor. Yeah, so he's not—he's not easy to take out in with your own range stuff. Um, lots of health, uh, as you would expect for these guys. I mean, again, the only real weakness or criticism you could say is one key generation, and um, and that can leave him a bit exposed um, to a post key test, and uh, and a bit um, dry on key though, uh, like. One of the key feats, only one cost is not bad. Um, the both active feats as well, which has been mentioned, is quite a short range weapon. So you're sort of getting in range where you may take a charge, and people may well. I mean, I probably would try to charge this guy if you, if I see him coming too close because I've seen what they can, you know, what he can do once he gets going. Uh, with that disc, is is really quite horrible. Um, like, uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he, I think he's taken out a witch or two in in a game, and uh, yeah, so definitely, um, definitely a great addition to the range because I think before then they were just lacking that sort of edge, if you like, um, being a bit limited with what they could do at range. Now they've got like these support models. And I, I'm a big fan of anything that's got like you know the nice free dice, free melee and range pool dice, just makes them very flexible. 
And I think that's sort of what you're looking for when you're when you're looking at a kind of 15 rice uh, support piece like this. So yeah, so it was really 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 nice profile. It is slightly surprising he doesn't have resistance though. So he actually is one of the most vulnerable to oppose key test in the millimeter range. Yeah, I would definitely want to control him if I get half a chance. Or <laughs> I'm like, I'll have a bit of that, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Going, going straight for the jugular. No, it's a valid thing. And I, I think that's how they try to make him kind of, I guess, I guess weak in a certain way. But I think that's good. I think he'd feel too strong if he if he was able to just shrug off kind of opposed key tests. Um because he's just got the movement. He can he can stay out of engagement range, still hurling discs at you. It, it's a it's a lethal combo, and the fact that it's just got no ammo, um, it just yeah. it, that's crazy for a ranged weapon. Um, just Amazing. being able to keep on uh, as soon as you're in that mid game, you're like two actions: just move, throw, move, throw, and like him paired with another one of the standard. Uh, uh, it, it, I think it's called an Enbanagi um, Ashigaru. Y you're just throwing out so many ranged attacks that cause a lot of damage and still have that movement to kind of shift around zones or kind of scoring areas which in a game where you know we keep on saying is all about movement and kind of control feels like the like a really good unit to have yeah i think mobile uh shooters that don't need to reload um they're they're, they're and, and don't have the ammo cap um are, are worth uh, that 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 is worth an awful lot um, if, if you're reloading half the game and staying still to do the weight action and everything, it, it really um, does limit you. And if you, you know, the lightweight as well, it just means that these guys are going to be, you know, like say mobile, able to get two things. Um, you know, particularly, I think when I saw them being played, you, you got around my, uh, my flank behind my skeleton um, kind of shield wall and started throwing the disc into the, um, the witches behind. Um, and, and obviously like another archer wouldn't have necessarily been able to have got around to that angle to be able to pull that off and, and that's when it really started to hurt <laughs> you know you were taking out um, relatively fragile expensive models um, so yeah def definitely a really nice model um, I guess he's potentially a bit of a weak a weak link against um, a, a key um, sort of opposed key heavy uh, builds and um but actually, he's probably okay against fear, I think, because of steadfast. That generally, you know, he probably won't be needing it too much because he's generally going to be shooting. And if he really is ne needed in combat, you can get him there with steadfast. So, um, so that's not so bad actually. Um, yeah, it's just it's just that concern about the pose key test. Um, but uh, for fifteen rice, I think he's doing an awful lot of. Um, he, he's giving you an awful lot of options on the table uh, that you wouldn't necessarily had before. And I think like most of these named characters, they just seem, they definitely seem worth it if you can find the extra rice over the standard versions. I think I think that's fair. Um, so broadly speaking, I think we've covered the Ashigaru. I guess the next kind of set of units to talk about then are the blacksmiths. Um, so these guys are pretty cool. I think they're quite unique, very support orientated characters. Um, there's three of them at the moment within the range. Uh, so you have Haru who comes in the standard uh, Minamoto clan box set you can pick up. Uh, you've then got Nuan, uh, and then you've got the new character, Kaija. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Forgive me if I get anything wrong. Um, so out of those three, um, they bring some pretty unique stuff to the field, um, but I guess it'd be interesting to hear from you. Wh wh which guy do you think stands out the most to you out of those three kind of 
blacksmiths that are available. I really like the new guy. Um, I just think he's he's really good price point um, and kind of offers a lot of flexibility on the table. Um, I think Cleansing Flames could be quite good with Haru. Um, it's it's one of those ones. That, it's really nice to know that you can do it. I just often find that um, it never really comes situationally um, useful enough. I mean, the, the other problem is that he's got such low key generation. He's sort of unless you can unless there's some way around this, um, it looks like he's waiting to turn free to actually do it, which you know might not be the right time. So. Yeah, I... There is a way around it, actually. These blacksmiths um, can start the game with an extra two key, I believe, Anna? Uh, I think it's just the one key, but yeah, it's the ice totem, um, which can really help them out with that. Yeah, but it's still, like, he's probably going to be doing it, like, once meaningfully in a game. And, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. For me, that's that doesn't sound too great, because I think it's a big investment whenever that goes off and quite a situational thing. So that starts to feel more like I'm sort of arguing the case that it's a cyborg model at that point. Uh, but I think most of these um, blacksmiths have got enough utility because they um, uh, they 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 bring in uh, the leadership um, and they're, they're the ones that give you access to the far kami as well and, and the metal, I suppose. But I don't know if we've seen a metal kami, but yeah, the far kami, which are pretty cool. They, they allow you to do things in slightly different ways and access to as I say, some interesting cards as well. Uh, what What's your thoughts, Darren? Then I really like Nuan. I think he's actually quite. He's not dissimilar to the Discus Throne guys in the fact that he can make multiple range attacks in a turn. It's got far one two, so actually surprisingly nasty for a support character to be moving around and doing that. But he also has the ability to give friendly models cover, which I'm always a fan of just in case you do come up against a heavy shooting army and um, also give out far markers for people moving into that aura. That, that's kind of the two abilities I, I really like on that guy. So I prefer him, to be honest, to the uh, the others. I think if you're going down that route, you're probably starting to build your list more around, well, potentially anyway, around kind of the far army as well to get more far counters out there, which I think is it's totally doable. It's, it's just probably starts tilting you arguably in a different direction. I mean, you don't need to go all that way because I think um, there isn't there an item where he kind of explodes into and, and causes fire to people around him as well. Um, there, there is there is a key feat that you can do, which um, basically creates an aura. I think I think Darren was talking about this. There's like an aura of um, I think about the three or four inches if any model enters um so it's not starts in which is quite key um if they enter that aura then they gain a, a fire two token yeah which is can be pretty brutal if you're really trying to keep those enemies away um but yeah it, again it can be a bit situational i've seen it used well um he, he he's a great looking model as well i love the way that he's like flicking this like molten lead out of his bucket it just looks really dynamic um Really nice kind of model. I think they, they hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, and he's slightly different from the other two who are very much kind of on the ground, kind of like working away as blacksmiths. Um, I agree with your comments earlier, Craig, about kind of like sideboarding. So I think you probably wouldn't want Haru and Kaiya in the same list. Um, but you could see the potential for both of them. Um, yeah. 
you probably choose one or the other depending on what you're going for. I really like the new guy, Kaya. Yeah, um, yeah I, like I thought he brought a lot of utility and I really enjoyed using him against Darren's um, Jung when we played the other day. Um, it, I almost... Um, so his kind of unique ability that is that he can forge a katana um, that's basically meant to kill one and one guy only on the battlefield. Um, he has to be in base-to-base with one of your friendly samurai and within 12 inches of the guy that you're um, building the katana for. It's a complex action, so it's he's not doing anything else. It's very intensive, but my goodness, the weapon is absolutely brutal. So I think it gives the um, the bearer um, unblockable too, which it just... So I was playing Darren, yeah, like I say, Darren's young. Um, I think I forged it against one of his uh, sharks that was aggressive, and it was like, I think we worked it out even if Darren kind of like boosted his stat to four, because he was aggressive, he could not put more dice into defense and attack, which meant he basically couldn't defend because I was going to be removing his two highest dice. So effectively, I, I mean, from, from my perspective, I was trying to deny Darren the kind of midfield, and it really felt like if Darren even moved in, it'd be game over for that kind of shark. So it almost felt like he had to divert off somewhere else. Oh, yeah. So he definitely had to run off. <laughs> <laughs> it feels as much a defensive trait. as It's like, look, we're going to build this really big sword that's going to chop you in half. And you're like, no, no, all right. I'm going over there. Yeah. You can't get me. It's like, it's like, time, time to go somewhere else. <laughs> so, yeah, it felt more defensive than if I actually got into combat with you. But like, it was just fun to see. And I could definitely see some utility in him kind of like um, being on the field. I think to your point as well, Craig, with the, the Kami, um, he can also boost, I think. I think he can increase the ranged output, ranged um, attack output I think he inspires of models him, that are cheaper than him. Yeah, um, so that, that's that's really good. Um, I do, I he's got to be a far Kami, though, um, as yeah, well. So. But, but it's um, he just br- he brings a lot or to metal the Kami, for, for his rice. And I was I found the card I was thinking of it was Far Totem where your blacksmith if he's killed they um they they give uh, models of him free a Far Two marker for one rice I think that's that sounds like a nice trade um, as long, as long as you put them in the right position um, but yeah I, I I really rate that guy he's so cheap um, and he still does the the sort of support role that you want from blacksmith um, but like even if he's not creating swords he can be buffing Far Kami. And um and and that's amazing, quite frankly, because they're they're already quite nasty. Um, so yes, I I could definitely see him getting a lot of play. So I, so I think that's roughly the blacksmiths covered covered. We've only got three of them at the moment. Let's talk a bit about the main guys, the big heavy hitters in the list, the samurai, because these guys for me are kind of like what really stood out when I started playing the uh, the Minamoto clan. So three main samurai to talk about. Um, I, I've left the kind of like subclass samurai, the Shenguja samurai, until we get to them. So we'll talk about the main samurai, which in my eyes are Yuji, Ryo, and Nico. Um, Yuji obviously comes in the kind of core set, and Ryo and Nico are kind of booster packs uh, that came later. Um, definitely, all three of them are like must must haves in any kind of list building. I don't think you need to use all of them all the time, but I think it's nice to have the other two available to kind of use. Um, if you're running the particular theme, so the finest steel, yes, you want all three of them in there. Um, but yeah, like these guys, 
Um, so both Yuji and Nico hit like a ton of bricks. They both got like armor four, which is crazy good. Um, four melee dice, steadfast, um, resistance two, um, like two key stat, seven wounds. Like these guys are phenomenal. Um, and they have done so good in all the games that I've used them. I wouldn't like to be on the receiving end of them. So I'd like to hear from you guys about like how you found play in them because they feel pretty good to me. So Rio, I think when you first see him, you're like, oh, thank God, he's only got three melee pool. And oh, he's only got three armor. That, that doesn't seem uh, as bad. Um, but uh, it's like getting um, durable once he gets down to four wounds is really just horrible. And um, as Darren was saying, the active feats are really good on these guys, so he can get brutal two to the current activations over. Um, he can even get slam attack if he really wants, so he can basically start smashing people around, and he doesn't really have to worry too much about putting that much in defense. So it's kind of a yeah, he 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 may like not look quite as um, intimidating to start with, but combined with his bear um, bear's resilience unique um effect he's he's just a phenomenal fighter and 17 rice seems like quite a decent price point for him um i think that that feels like you're getting a lot for your rice i think he's cheaper than the other two if i remember correctly so um yeah he's 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 pretty decent um i think nico he's probably the next one so then you go up to the sort of the usual uh where what you want to see if you can with samurai is four four dice you don't always get it um he's um, I always worry about anything that can put out stuns, and he can put out stuns very easily because uh, stun attack zero. Um, he can also get out the combo attack, and that was um, pretty scary when I was using the animated warriors. That he he can do that. Um, so yeah, so uh, he he's he's a bit more of a he's going to sort of really just beat things into the ground you know stun them and then just combo attack them to the ground if he, if he can he can even get rid of the opposition's dodge so he really won't take any messing around once he's in combat um i've seen you use his split attack quite effectively to drain off activations as well so that's 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 quite cool it kind of builds on that um uh that that use of bear stands alone that you mentioned earlier so that's quite a, a good thing so he's definitely a more aggressive samurai in, in that way it's also worth noting out, like any samurai, all these guys have got melee prowess, so it's pretty good for you re-rolling dice. Um, what I found quite interesting playing them is um, you tend to go pretty heavy on the attack, um, but you still put one dice in defense. But I tend to use the melee prowess to re-roll the defense if it's low, as opposed to using it to re-roll the attack if I kind of miss. Um, because it feels like they're designed more so to get in the, the lucky hit if they can, but they really want their defense to hold up. So they are literally taking like maybe one, if not no points of damage in return. Yeah, absolutely. So what what's next on to the, the witches? We're actually summarized. <laughs> so these are the Shanguja. They are the kind of witches of the clan. Uh, they both have samurai as well as a keyword, just in case you have something that also plays into that. Um, so, you know, as, as something that we covered earlier, potentially you can actually forge the katana and attach it to one of these witches if you so wish. Um, 
So there are officially on the um, on the wiki site three Shenguja listed. However, we only have two um, profiles released and models available. Um, so these are Hoshi Rinko and Hoshi Kimiko. Um, both really fantastic kind of support characters. Fairly expensive, but I think they run in line, broadly speaking, with kind of other Shenguja characters, uh, having played... Um, Darren's young and and they're kind of like uh Shenguja characters. So um the two that we've got here, one comes uh, I think one was released a while ago. Um I think that was Kimiko. Um I'm going to have to double check now just in case I get it wrong. Uh yeah, Kimiko. Yeah. So Kimiko is quite cool. So she is um, only 14 rice um, and her ability is quite cool. So she comes with a unique effect that lets her put down an icy patch at the start of the battle, which um, slows down your opponents, which can be quite nice. Um, what's unique about it is it only applies to opponents. So you can potentially put this down middle of the board and it slows opponents down, but it doesn't slow your characters down. Um, she also has some pretty tasty key feats. Um, both, so both of the Shenguja come with an ability called Icy Veins, which for these guys, particularly the kind of Samurai and the Ashigaru who have already got kind of like armor three can give them fearless and durable to ranged, which it, it just means they're not going to be taking any damage from shooting really. Um, uh, I think the fearless is really good as well. Uh, often under underrated. Um, where I've used it in the past is actually to automatically pass fear tech uh, checks in the end phase. So because you've got the steadfast when you're going in, you can almost rely on the steadfast. And if that fails you, you can always put icy veins on one of your characters already engaged in combat. As a result, when it comes around to the end step, they will clear their fear before they remove the the kind of the ability, um, which is super, super useful, uh, in my opinion. Um, so Kimiko's also got um, a second ability, which is Summon Ice Kami. Uh, this is really handy if she's about to take a lot of damage. She can basically just use it to ignore the damage, but replace herself with a fire, uh, with an Ice Kami. Um I've not seen major use out of it, but it definitely adds a bit more resilience to her as a as a figure and keeps her on the board for a bit longer, um, just tying up opponents. Um, yeah, I mean, with with their um, their healthy wing track and uh, Marshall Paris, they 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 can put up a better fight than you think, really. And yeah, like I I agree, like Icy Veins is it's got a lot of utility. It's got a decent range on it as well. Um, do you require a target? That's the only thing. But yeah, it's, uh, it's generally um, achievable to get that out. I think also, you, if you really want to, you can throw it on the enemy's guys to give, give them slow. Because as I mentioned, you haven't really got a lot of reach. So sometimes I think you, there are some matchups where you'd really rather go first and it's quite hard to achieve uh, with, with these guys. Um, so that actually could be uh, quite a good way to um, you know to counter that if someone is particularly dependent on um, on 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 going first, then you can you can take that away from them. And I, I think that ice patch though is reason enough to bring her all day long. Um, it's in certain setups like you know perhaps not very good in others, but in many setups um, that that really does give you a, a big 
uh, start a game advantage that you can kind of funnel people down um, that that kind of path or separate their force a bit. Um, it's really really good, and uh, spirit's really powerful as well. Makes a really good um, as opposed to key test, um, and given that like she's already a, a, a two key model, uh, to have spirit is, um, is is amazing. So like she won't she doesn't have the most offensive uh, opposed key kind of test to put out there but if she wants to get icy veins out there she probably will there's not a lot you can you can do against that really um for most models anyway so it's quite reliable in that sense so yeah she's um which which yeah she's super reliable yeah it's just super reliable which um yeah i've used a lot of quite swingy um key based models uh post key kind of test focused models and uh so yeah so she she has um a nice bit of kind of magical support but very reliable form of it i guess that kind of fits these guys so yeah so um i just think bringing her for the ice patch is is good enough but the fact that she does all this other stuff is is not bad 14 rice seems very very kind of um affordable to me yeah, do you know what, as well, Craig, where you've mentioned um, her ability, Icy Veins, being used in the offensive capability, I've never actually considered that. But looking at it, it could be pretty scary to kind of, if you can get that off on an opponent, all of a sudden those kind of matchups where I'm choosing what dies to allocate where, if I know that I'm going first because an opponent's slowed, I think A, it helps me get the upper hand and put more dice in attack, but also makes the opponent second guess maybe putting anything in attack if they know that uh they're going to be getting hit first by a minamoto bear samurai yeah um <laughs> yeah also because it's range eight realistically it might it might um uh well it, it would also stop running and charging so it gives you just a little bit more control over the battlefield so if you if you wanted to get off because you do that twice a turn it's only two key if she really wanted to she could do it kind of um you know on turn two just to just to cover some positional points um, in the right matchup, that's that could be phenomenally good. Um, uh, but yeah, no, she, I, I, I really rate her. I just, I think because I felt I've fallen foul of that ice patch, that's particularly sore spot for me. But uh, yeah, if I if I was to use these guys, I think I'd be um, I'd be finding a place for her. I think the final Shenguja then to mention is obviously Kimiko. So sorry, not Kimiko, uh, Rinko. Um, which is the more expensive Shenguja that's just recently been released. So she has a bit more offensive capability. She has like a ranged ice magic attack, um, but her unique abilities, sorry, her um, kind of like main abilities are really where it kind of comes into play. So she has a complex action she can do, um, which uh, creates a blizzard. So she covers the entire pit, uh, the entire board uh, in in a blizzard, which gives cover and slow until the end phase, which is pretty, pretty debilitating if it's done at the right time. Um, but it is a complex action, so it kind of takes her out of the game for kind of a turn if she's doing it. Um, her second ability then, on top of uh, blizzard and then obviously icy veins, because we said that they both have that, um, is cold shatter. Uh, so this, uh, I've not used it yet, but it looks quite effective. Um, so this is a, a, a target, so it's an opposed key test. Uh, the next time a target suffers damage, it takes double the damage, only if that would be enough to kill the target immediately. So you're basically doubling down. It's like, I'm either going to 
if I can if I can cause enough damage to take this guy off the table, then I can do it. But if it doesn't, the attack just causes standard damage. Um, I think it's a bit of a gamble. Yeah. So I, I really like that. Yeah. Well, I, I really like that with Icy Veins. You just sort of make someone slow, then Cold Shatter. Um, if, if, you, if you can kind of set it up properly, then yeah, that could be horrific. I mean, generally, you'll probably be okay anyway if you just go um, with, with a Samurai guy. But yeah, that Cold Shatter is pretty terrifying. I think Blizzard's good in the right setups, obviously. Like, if someone's gone for a lot of um, range attacks, you can just lock that game down and like once you put cover on people range attacks just really are struggling to do much aren't they um so you you, you um you've got a, a blanket board wide effect there's not many board wide effects i think in bushido that i can think of um apart from things like darkness i suppose but they it's it's, it's really it is is a big game changer and as we said slow is quite good you certain factions rely a lot on um getting a bit of extra mobility particularly on the first turn um you, you can kind of limit that though I, I guess it kind of impacts your guys as well yeah i think that's the biggest issue with it is that all models gain cover and slow so obviously uh, you wouldn't want her with the discus throwing guys yeah but i think am i right that's do they all get affected by Blizzard? I thought some like the bear and things were. I, th- I think the bear and the um, I think it's the Kami reflection and these witches. I think actually they might ignore it, but not many. Yeah, you're quite. So I think it's literally just the Shenguja and the um, the bear Testu um, who are unaffected by the Blizzard. Be interesting to see if they build more around that going forward. I think at the moment it's probably a bit niche then, uh, but definitely um, the the cover thing it would be game changing if you if you needed it in the right setup. Yeah, it, I mean it's been really good when I've when I played against her, I, I found she's super useful, lots of versatility, and her ice magic's a nice extra little layer on top. I think I think the other things to point out. So she's she does have uh, three key stats which is pretty good for most characters. Um, like that's that's up there in kind of highest key generators, um, which is really good for her, which means by turn two, she's able to get off like pretty much cold shatter and icy veins if she wants to. Um, something that's probably worth uh, mentioning as well that I've only just noticed, but I've obviously played it this way anyway. So icy veins is, isn't even a simple act, uh, key feat. Yeah. So it doesn't cost them anything to do it. Um, so they could potentially put multiple of that out a turn if they had the key for it. Yeah, so she could just she could just litter the battlefield with it if she wanted to. So well, so so yeah. she had actually by turn two she has the ability to put out icy veins on three opponents. Yeah, even even concentrate with her. Can you actually? Uh, three key models are just ridiculous when they start focusing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, I guess she's got a maximum key stat of eight, so you try to get her up to that. And I, again, I really dislike the fact that she's so you're able to defend herself a bit more because of the the prowess melee um, and and the um, decent number of um, health boxes, wound boxes. I think that just really helps these guys. There's no squidgy bits to to Minamoto really, is there? There's you know even even what would normally be um, a more vulnerable target in another list, they they're just that a little bit more resilient. I think probably the hardest thing is just whether you want to go down the you know, how do you, who do you go for do you go for the uh, Shigenja or do you go for the um, uh, the, the blacksmiths because uh, you know I think you probably want 
um, to like most lists, like not want you don't want kind of a, a whole list normally of, um, of of people who kind of there to buff other people and to to do certain kind of bespoke things. Um, I think that's that's probably where the interesting bit comes in. But I, I guess we were saying it earlier, like there's probably one uh, one blacksmith who stands out to me anyway as being probably the go-to one. Uh, the new one looks interesting. I think the new one, who's only nine rice to me, kind of looks like a the one I would generally start with, and then I probably, you know, depending on the rest of the list, make a case to to deviate from that. But with these guys, there's just two really good choices of Shigenja. I don't know if you have got a favourite, Adam, but I'm I'm really struggling with which one to go for because I think they're both just really good. Yeah, I think both the profiles are really stand out. I think I probably lean to more towards Kimiko just because she's she's fourteen rice, like. Um, I think Rinko has a lot of utility. Uh, she's really strong, but in a list where you're also putting in a couple of pretty beefy samurai, your rice gets eaten up way too quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I think they've got a lot of utility. I'll probably lean towards Kimiko just because she's on the cheaper side. Um, so I guess um, finally... We arrive at the Fiesta Resistance, um, which is the uh, one animal in the list. The bear, of course. We're talking about Testu. Um, this guy is pretty fantastic. I like him. He's got some armor. He's got some speed. He's good in a blizzard. And he knocks people prone when he charges, which I like to do often. He's very scary to play against, I think. He's one of them scary models that you're like, oh, God, where's he going to go? <laughs> what's he going to do? <laughs> yeah, I think he's got a lot of kind of like interesting stuff he can kind of pull out. He's definitely one of those models you can flank round. He brings a bit of fear to the list as well, which is nice to have. Like if you... It's a, yeah, if it's you a high level fear, people, isn't it? Yeah, fear yeah. six is always, always good to see. Um, I think even like against some of the Yuta models that maybe only have Fear Five, like yeah. you can you can scare the crap out of like Yammer Uber or someone like that. So yeah, well, Yammer's okay. It's um it's Rokuro who was uh he's Fear Five and he's one key stat. Suddenly he had a real problem with a bear. Um, he's also light footed. Was a which... bird, right? <laughs> he's also light footed though, um, which I think really helps these guys because I don't see any more. I don't see much light footed with these guys anyway, so um, that that's always handy to have someone that can can traverse um, terrain. I, I guess these guys sometimes they I, I hear them getting compared to the silverbacks and things like that, but I think they're just very different models, and um, like they're they're bringing something very different to the table. I think, as you said, that that charge with prone is um, that that can be very very good as well but they you just got a lot more control because you can go very defensive with these guys if you wanted to just hold someone up and, and and at the same time you can also kind of really go all out aggressive very much in the minuto style if uh if, if you really want to as well um and they get kind of better as they get wounded so yeah they they're they're really solid guys i think anyone that can push out prone and stun markers um has has got you know some utility um set up uh set up the right kind of follow-up attack um yeah uh what do you think darren yeah i think it's a really great another model that can charge into enemy lines and do really well and uh, super scary with that being able to slam people um i, I would say uh similar to you it's great to have something which is like footed as well you can 
can really get into those enemies that are otherwise quite hard to to get to with your samurai and I would say fear six is a little bit uh, a little bit much in my opinion for a bear I mean I've got half crab half men that are only fear five so (laughs) I guess they know what it can do (laughs) so it's rightly feared because of that (laughs) but yeah no it's it's a great model Um, fair amount of points though but I, I think the only time I've seen it do badly is uh, being a medium model. I think I think I shot it up with pistols once, but I, I think with icy veins, that's quite easy to to solve that problem. Guess what? I pair him up with uh, with the wizard that can cause the the blizzard. I'd imagine <laughs> the wizard that can cause the blizzard. <laughs> so. That's pretty much all the figures in the Minimoto range at the moment covered. Um, should we talk a bit about very quickly about the themes available? Yeah, sure. So there's three core themes at the moment that you can take. Uh, the standard one is called the Army of the Minamoto. Um, so I think this is pretty basic. It gives you access to a lot of different tools, though, a lot of utility. Um it's two main abilities. One, it lets you deploy your Ashigaru two inches forward um, at, the, at the starting phase, which is can be useful, especially in a force that's got uh, all movement four. Um, and the other one is once in a starting phase, you can give all models plus one strength in combat. Um, so I guess you've got one turn that you can hit really hard. Um, that's your standard theme. The other two then, you've got the finest steel, um, that is very much around samurai, shenguja, and blacksmiths. Um, this gives all of the models in your uh, list durable until one of them takes a wound. Um, it sounds it sounds really powerful. I don't think it's as good as what it. I, I don't think it's as powerful as what it sounds, but I still think it's a good ability. Um, I also think there's a. I think you get something else with it as well. You get once per game, um, you can uh, push out some stun damage, I think, if enemy models take uh, any damage in melee. That's pretty handy. And um, when friendly models are removed from play, other models get plus one melee strength. So it's a bit, it's got a bit more utility, but it can be a bit more restrictive in terms of how you build the lists. Um, oh, sorry, just looking at it now. Actually, you don't even get Shenguja with it. It's just samurai and blacksmiths it's just that the two shenguja are also classified as um samurai um and then the final theme uh, which i haven't really used um as much is uh, the garrison of the dam so this is ashigaru models in the warband gain indomitable plus one and every time a friendly model is removed from play as a result of a melee exchange the friendly model in the exchange um gains a key token Sorry, every time an enemy model is removed from play, the friendly model doing it gains a key token. And during turn one, each model in the warband gets six cents. What do you guys think about those themes? Anything stand out to you there? I think Garrison of the Damned, because I heard on um, the Bakimono uh, podcast that Andy Palmer did that um, the um, these guys fight the Bakimono a lot. And it makes a lot of sense now because they... They get indomitable because they're used to being ganged up on. Um, they they sort of end up killing quite a few of these guys, so they kind of get a you know they're on to the next job then, so they get a bit of key back. And um, 
could of darkness, you kind of need someone with sixth sense. So I nearly got a lantern or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense now. Um, I think that's the background for it anyway. Um, so, so that's quite thematic. What about you, Darren? Any of those stand out to you? I quite like the one where you get the scout move, or the extra two inches deployment zone, even on your Ashgaru. I, I think that's been super helpful to get them up the table early on. I, I really like that theme, actually. Yeah, and I think as well, especially with some of the new kind of uh, metal disc throwers, I can see a lot of utility in that, just getting them that extra bit closer to the uh, mid-board. So I guess finally, in terms of kind of the faction, it's worth just saying there are a couple of standout Minamoto cards that I think um, are worth mentioning. I get a lot of utility out of these, and I feel bad not mentioning them. So the first one is Teachings of Yasha Ushi. I think that's how it's pronounced, or Yasushi. Um, so this is the ability to give one of your samurai tactician plus one, um, which I know both of you are fond of facing. Um, it's Bro basically broken, absolutely broken. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much uh, kind of like an auto win on the t on the tactical roll, isn't it? When you do actually win the tactical roll, it's feels amazing but it happens so rarely it's like you might do it once a game if you're lucky um so it's it's two it's two rice but i yeah. just think it's as in a in a in a faction where you're often fielding maybe six models average <laughs> it, it can be really really useful to have that at your kind of um kind of in your utility because um going first enables you to dictate the flow of where the engagements happen a bit more each turn. It seems odd because um, Ito have that as well and I'd struggle to fit it in, but I really do want to and I probably should. The other cards to mention of note, um, Avalanche is quite nice, so that's a new one um, in the in the cycle deck. So this is when, you, when your character dies, you get to make a free success level 2 um, attack back at your opponent um really nice on and actually i've been considering putting this on some of the cheaper guys actually that you know are going to go down just because you know you're going to get a free success level two hit or off at someone who's going to try and engage them um and this could be quite punishing right we all know how if you roll pretty well on your on your success level two damage roll like that can spell the end for some characters especially if they've taken a couple of points of damage already so, yeah, it's enough to what well, you can do up to five, I think, on that. So yeah, it's pretty good. So it's a it's a nice farewell gift, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's done so much hard work. <laughs> like, and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Ha have this. Um, and I think the final one to call out, and I know you've mentioned kind of this earlier in terms of talking about the samurai, um, but it's hasty bear. So this gives one of your characters uh, the ability of having four marked wound boxes without actually having taken the wounds. And this is in, uh, particularly, I think, impressive and standout on Rio, um, who gains durable. And you can put, you can play this event after you figured out what the success level is, but before they've done the damage roll. Um, so it's a really good way of like just stopping a really good hit that your opponent gets off on you, um, or just you, you could go all knowing that you've got this card that you you could potentially play. You can just go all all dice in attack and go. I'm just going to play this card. And if your opponent tries to kind of like not defend against it, it can be super punishing. Um, the other way of using it on this guy is to potentially help you with 
maybe some of the higher success level rolls against him just to kind of tick off his wounds because once he hits four wounds then he gets durable anyway so you just want to keep him going as long as you can and get him to that durable state i've been caught off off guard on that card before and uh it's pretty brutal personally i'm super happy with with where the faction are right now like before we before maybe the last six six cards got released i was a bit like there's something missing here um but I really feel that they've been fleshed out and I can play a lot of different variety in their list uh, now. Yeah, they definitely feel more well-rounded these days, especially with that, like we said about the extra support from Missile and Magic and now Blacksmiths as well. It's, it's, they've, they really do feel much more fleshed out. Great. So, yeah, so on to Shiho, or we probably should say uh, at the moment anyway, uh, Tanaka clan, and so it's a sort of sub-faction. Um, so we did uh, warn people this is not necessarily a starter set. It's um, uh, but it is a is a, is a box set you can buy, and it's uh, it's a nice little self contained box. Uh, so we've mentioned it before on the show. Um, Adam, you played them quite a lot, so we thought it would be great for you just to come on and um, just like you've done with Minamoto, just kind of guide us through uh, your thoughts and feelings on these guys, what you think really works. Um, yeah, it's just kind of benefit from your experience with them, really. Yeah, so I guess the first thing that I want to call out is as soon as I saw the artwork for these guys, I was like, oh my God. And I just bought into the Minamoto, the Bear Clan at that point. Um, and I was like, oh, should I get a second faction? But the when I saw the models, I was like, I just have to, the guy that, you know, the, the leader, Tsuki, um his double swords and like how he's posed and all of the kind of like the kind of regalia that they're wearing um really reminds me of a game i spent a lot of time playing called for honor which had this uh character class in it called the aramusha uh, which is a samurai fallen from grace which is pretty much along the lines of what the kind of the the shiho or the wolf clan are um it just like they look absolutely stunning models. I was so, so impressed with the sculpts um, and they were an absolute joy to build as well. Um, pretty much all of them are like one or two part models. Um, but these guys, yeah, are as a, as a complete box set, you get a really rounded, lovely play experience out of them. Um, I really like them as well because um, I wanted something that was that felt different enough from the Minamoto to play. And I almost feel like they're the polar opposites of the Minamoto to a certain degree. Like the Minamoto want to stand alone. They rely on all their heavy armor and their big, heavy hitting weapons. Whereas these guys rely on coordination, pack attacks, um, waiting for your opponents to get exhausted and monopolize on that. Um, and they've only got five or six hit points each. So and no armor. So there's like I, I feel like they're polar opposites. I don't know what you guys think of that. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. I think other than the fact they're both humans and have samurai, that's about the only crossover. <laughs> it's like the, the yeah, the way they play, like you said, is completely the opposite between solo models versus the pack. And it, that that character really is so strong in both armies, and that's really good rule design. I I would call out, you know, to actually make both armies feel so much like their fluff and 
the best they play is when you play them f- to the strength of their flavor or fluff, you know, which is is really great to see. Yeah, when you play in theme, they they it matches how you should be sort of operating. So that's yeah, that's that's a great design thing. Um, yeah, I guess like what I said earlier, it's like one one faction can generally um, is hard to gang up on, and this this faction generally don't um, don't mind if they're exhausted. And they're two of the key um, or most most common melee ball reductions in the game. But yeah, other than that, there's a lot of difference. As you say, they um, they they're, they're lightly armored, um, generally lower on the health points. Um, well, definitely, definitely lower, and generally uh, on the low side of the health points for for the uh, younger samurai, um, and they and they they're a lot faster there. At the same time, they've got quite a few models that can boost their movement, and uh, the walls are naturally a bit faster as well. And they like to gang up on people rather than uh, the opposite way around. So, really nice, um, yeah, really nice juxtaposition to uh, to what you you went for. And I think because they're an army in a box as well. Um, it's it's a great way to buy into a faction because you've got um, a very self-contained box. I think it's I think it's about ninety-five rice plus upgrade cards. Yeah, so they're they're definitely very interesting to play. Play a lot different to the Minamoto that I have. So one of the unique things, so on on paper, if you look at the card front of the card and you look at them and go, oh great samurai, and then look in the top left at the melee pool and go, oh they only have three melee dice. That's pretty low in general for most samurai models in the game to have three melee dice. But then you flip the card over and realize that pretty much all of them have the um, uh, a unique ability, which is if they're engaged with an exhausted enemy model, they get plus one melee dice. So instantly you're up to four dice. But then it gets better because most of the models, not all of them, but most of them have coordinated attack with the Tanaka keyword, which is pretty much all of the models. Um, And if they don't have the coordinated attack Tanaka, they will have coordinated attack uh, Wolf, which includes everyone. Um, So there are certain people that do do and don't get it. There are some nuances in it, but then you're going through from a model that started out with three melee call to a model that's now on five melee call, which is scary to face, especially if you are in that exhausted state because you are then also down a dice. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing I tend to find whilst when facing against them, is that it can seem all fine and dandy, like, oh, these guys aren't so bad, and then they gang up on you, or you get out of position, the model's exhausted, and it's, it goes bad so quickly. <laughs> it's actually... this. I actually find um, Wolf Clan one of the trickiest to play against just because of that you have to really be careful about who in your army gets exhausted because then it's just a massive target on that model's head uh, but obviously you all have to get exhausted at some point so getting the ordering right is really important and making sure you kind of limit how many models can get outnumbered and things like that you have to really be on it from my perspective yeah i mean Talis and pass tokens are definitely your friends against these guys. Um, endurance isn't bad against them as well, but you still count as being exhausted, even if you don't take the modifier. So it's not a perfect defense because they still go up a dice. Um, but yeah, some of those traits can definitely help, um, or just sheer numbers can sort of help. But yeah, like I said, at some point you're probably going to be 
exhausted and you're probably going to be outnumbered by these guys because they can kind of with their speed they can probably um select the fight and i, I guess they feel quite fast because of scout but they they also um can, you know they can boost their movement and um uh, they've got a fair amount of light footed so they do feel like they they're a bit more nimble to uh, get around the, the table as you would you you would kind of expect um so yeah so they're pretty pretty scary once they get going i think I think the other thing to mention, like, so although it might seem great you've got all these samurai, there is also two wolves that come in the pack um, called Suki's pack, um, and they're only six rice each. And they also have coordinated attack, and they also have plus one melee dice for being engaged with a, with an exhausted model. So on paper, you've got a, a wolf with four wounds that has a melee dice pool of two which doesn't look great until you start outnumbering and exhausting. And all of a sudden that two wolf, uh, two uh, melee dice wolf is now at four melee dice biting you back and you're only rolling two dice. It, it's, it's not, it's not pleasant. And they definitely punish you like Darren was saying for exhausting your models in the wrong order. So that in, in to a certain degree, they can dictate the flow of the game in terms of where actions and activations are happening which is kind of nice. Um, I think you're also right, Craig, in terms of like quite a few of them have got light-footed so they can kind of be a bit more kind of um, blasé with their placement in terms of terrain and moving around objects. Um, I definitely find as well, like keeping a few models together, but also spreading out quite wide um, forces your opponent to think twice. Like flanking with them is definitely an option. Not, not with the flank keyword, but flanking in terms of moving around the board. Um, it's definitely an option. Yeah, I, I mean, I think back, I guess back to the Wolves quickly. I, they actually probably have killed more of my men than anyone. It feels like anyone than any of the others. And maybe it's just because I know the sixth rice. <laughs> it just hurts so much more to get <laughs> taken out by a sixth <laughs> rice model. But um, I, I must admit, whenever I get the opportunity now, I will try and take these guys out early because they're force multipliers. And if, if they are not around, <laughs> you know, it makes the game so much easier. Um, it, you know, it's easier said than done taking them out. Um, they're, not, they're not the toughest things, but it's just um, they're also not not initially the most threatening either. So, you're, you know, it's hard to put resources to take out the six rice model. In, in a way, you kind of, it's either way, it's kind of winning, you know, you're either putting more resource into killing it than it's worth, or you're letting it get better for later game if you let it live. So they're hard to deal with. They, they can definitely trade up. Yeah. I think the other thing to call out on the wolf profile that's particularly useful um, is, is the charging bonus of Fear 6. Uh, which is often overlooked, but this is a really good option for dealing with people who um, do deal fear, um, but also backing up some of your mates in combat. Um, and because they've got a move of five, you've got a potential charge range of 10. Um, I found this useful in a game that I had against Jay, whereby um, Tanaka Gorak, um, the guy with the big two-handed sword, um, he was tied up in combat with Yama Uber, who had, uh, sorry, the Penangalan, who had managed to wrestle him down. So she had him held. And I was like, how do I sort this out? Well, I managed to get a charge off with the wolf. And because the wolf ignored Yama, uh, sorry, the Penanganan's fear, the Penanganan had to drop Gorak, get hit with a charging bonus, failed that, and all of a sudden she actually just got eaten by a wolf. 
Um, yeah. So, so it can really swing with them, and you you can be punished for not having the right placement for sure. I think what's for me what's quite interesting they're aware because I think they have that largely because they've got bodyguard, um, but actually it it allows them to to cover um, your 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 flanks and kind of angles that you wouldn't necessarily expect to to cover. So they. I just think they just do a lot of work for the list. They give you activations. They can be aggressive. Like you said, they solve your fear. They um, they can only really exist at that kind of rice level in a in a contained environment because you can't take them outside of um, the, the theme, uh, the um, open rebellion theme, I, I believe. Um, and and but they are they're just really good for their their rice. Yeah, for sure. The the, the wolves are like um, for me stand out kind of like models within that theme and you're right they, they can't exist outside of the theme um but i think they bring a lot to it and add that kind of like flavor that really helps kind of bring the list alive um so i think after the walls what else have we got so I, I feel like um the characters then fall into one of uh two categories you've got some range characters and you've got some melee characters that's that's not saying the range characters don't have melee attacks because they are samurai after all um, but I do like to see them as first and foremost kind of like ranged uh, specialists. So let's talk a bit about them. Uh, so there's two of them. Uh, one is called uh, Tanaka Muna and the other is called Tanaka Noboku. Uh, both of these have um, different kind of um, bow weapons with different traits. Um, they're still Daiku. Uh, which are the kind of long range bow weapons so they're they've got some really good range on them um so short range five medium range 10 which is pretty phenomenal um, and long range 15 um the difference between the two i think um naboku has powerful attack that that um he, uh, that they can put on the bow um and can boost their bow dice whereas uh, muna cannot do that um but yeah they're, they're both really good characters and um, they've both got a couple of interesting things so i think you mentioned this um before the uh before the podcast actually uh craig is you're talking about that one of them has the ability to coordinate where the other one doesn't and the other one has the ability to get the plus one melee pool where they engage with an exhausted model um so they kind of like they do different things which is nice um but yeah, I think the 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 key things to call out really, I guess Muna has this really nice ability to kind of shadow people, to follow them around. So they can burn two key to like um as an instant follow someone that activates in a pulse, so they can like stalk models. Um what's nice about the profile as well, um, that I've used before is push defense on the uh, melee weapon. So if someone engages you in melee. Um, you can go all in defense, push defense, and if you activate next and you've not shot your bow, instantly you've got a like a point blank bow shot that's going to do a lot of damage. Um, so really nice profile there. Um, and I think the Boku's just got that extra range uh, kind of boosting that they can do. Um, I've not really noticed the kind of pierce recently, but um, and I and I still powerful attack seems like a lot. And I think you were saying this, Darren. Um, maybe if you are facing like a large target like an Oni, you might consider it, but I don't know. And you'd still boost your melee, uh, so your ranged um, skill at that point. But I don't know what you think about these two. Uh, any thoughts on the two ranged kind of wolf samurai? 
I think they're both really important for the list because you're you, otherwise you're kind of um, a bit like Ito. You're kind of running across the table fairly lightly, where sort of no armor and uh, and and not, not a lot of hit points, and um, that can be uh, yeah, that that can be bad in certain matchups. Um, but I think if you bring your own range attacks, you can counter the opposition's range attacks, and you can also soften targets up, which can be um, you know really rather useful for how these guys want to play. Um, uh, I think they're both really well priced and competent melee fighters and um, uh, great at range. That that goes a long way in my book, as we were saying earlier. I, I love those sort of models. Um, you you probably will be trying to move and fire these guys um, every so often just to keep them up the, the field so they're not kind of lagging behind. So I do think you you have to kind of bear that in mind because because they've got a reload and, and they're not lightweight um that that can you've got you've, you've probably got gonna get one really good shot and then it's quite likely you might want to get stuck in combat and um you know unless you really dedicate yourself to staying back but i think then you're missing out on the rest of the profile in terms of like who because if you can compare them i think you've generally you you find a space with both of them easily but i i, I kind of like muna just because she's a little bit cheaper and she's got light footed so i kind of feel like she's um got that going for her as a kind of positional archer um naboku in a way he's in theory he could be a better archer because he's got the boostable range and precision shot but i actually think he's better in combat because he can gain faint and he can get the extra dice when the enemy is exhausted so he's a really good finisher model you get someone exhausted um you know on low dice anyway he can potentially take um uh, one one of the defensive dice away. Um, he he can really just finish people off. So uh, he he kind of can hunt quite well on his own. Where I think Muna she wants to hunt with the pack because she gets got that coordinated attack. So she'll she'll sort of deliver it in a slightly different way. Um, but that light foot is quite meaningful in in um, you know on the table. So that that just synergizes well very well with coordinated attack because you, you as you said you don't have to worry so much about your precise positioning. With Naboku, you've got to be a bit more careful. Yeah, I mean they they really are the backbone of the army in my mind. The the missile shots are often more of a threat than anything else. But if you don't treat them, you know, if you don't treat them with respect, you will get hit hard. And I think that kind of pl- lets the rest of the army get into position to do what it wants to do. So I, I think they're critical. Really, I think you'd be hard pressed not to take both of them, even with even though you don't really have that many options anyway at the moment. Um, I think they're just the core of the list. I, I mean, I can see that where you did take them in a, a run-in theme. Um, and I think they're just such great support guys in the, in the sense of, well, not support's probably not right, quite the right word, but they've got that utility going where they can dish out a good shot and um, and still bring a lot of skills to the table. Um, they, they can find their place in, in quite a few lists. So I think you use them with the sisters, um, so the princesses quite well. And uh, yeah, they, they performed really well, I thought. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. They've got a lot of utility outside of it, and it'd be interesting to see how they end up playing into the wider Shiho faction um, as more themes become available and more models. I can definitely see them as like staples that get used in multiple different kind of um, lists. So yeah, I really like them, and the models look fantastic. Again, um, just saying, not biased. You know, they are probably the best looking faction out there. Um, 
I digress. I digress. Um, so I guess the other person to mention um, before we go on to the two big melee hitters are so is is Tanaka Ue. So this is a profile for thirteen rice. Um, again, so it doesn't have the exhaustive melee rule, uh, but does have a Nagignata, which has reach, powerful attack, sidestep defense. Uh, both of those uh, secondary ones cost you one melee dice to use. Um, but yeah, has bravery, coordinated attack, uh, light-footed, um, and endurance. So in general, she's only 13 rice, but um, she still packs a bit of a punch, but I think she's there more as a support character than a kind of a big heavy hitter. Yeah, I think I think you... Like, if, if you're kind of mixing with Ronin and stuff to... Uh, or outside of the um, theme, um, uh, the open rebellion theme, I think you would probably try to find the extra rice for Muna uh, where possible. I mean, reach is quite handy, and um, and all that. But uh, yeah, I kind of think Muna just offers a lot more uh, to the table with a range attack and push defense a lot more done, but. Uh, She's yeah, she's absolutely fine as you know as a as a sort of spear um, wielding samurai. I think I think her powerful attack is worth noting because when you get to a position where these guys are hitting on, on really well, um, being actually that one dice sacrifice isn't a big issue, and then she can really finish off even very tough models with that plus four damage. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Um, combine that with vicious strike as well. She can probably, uh, you know, take on something a bit bigger than you would uh, imagine. But yeah, I, th- I think I think she's fine. Um, probably not star of the show, I guess, is what I'm saying. But yeah, she's she's alright. Yeah. So let's 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 move on and talk about the two stars of the show, in my <laughs> opinion. So we've got uh, Tanaka Gorak and we've got Tanaka Tsuki. Um, so if we talk talk about Gorak. A bit he's like the second in command in in my kind of opinion in the box uh so this guy is um pretty cool he comes with a nodashi which is a big kind of like dual-handed uh um samurai sword um it has plus two damage which is lovely uh powerful attack one and he also has sidestep defense zero um he has on his profile indomitable one so he likes a bit of outnumbering he's not too bad at that um, which is nice because it makes him more of an instigator profile. Like he doesn't mind stepping up and being the first one in combat. Um, it means he can, yeah, basically take another enemy coming in and being outnumbered and not not suffering from it. Um, he also has pack one six, so he can coordinate with another one of the models. So it's worth saying that all of them have pack. Um, but it's only two of them in the set that have pack one six and two six, which are these two that we're going to talk about now. That gives them the ability to coordinate their attack with another model um, at the same time, so at the same kind of activation sequence, um, which is really, really, really useful if you kind of want to get that kind of like gang up on an enemy. Um, it's definitely worth doing. Um, in terms of his kind of... Uh, key feats so he's got umbrella block as an instant which gives him for two key uh parry one and vicious strike which gives him sharp one um as an active 
I've not really seen that used. Um, I've not come across that many tough models recently, but there may be an opportunity to use that going forward. Yeah, I mean, definitely, if you're playing Anisho or Buto, things that rely a lot on on that uh, on tough, then yeah, that's pretty pretty nasty when you start taking that off. Yeah, he looks pretty good to me. Um, he's starting to get more expensive, but yeah, he's 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 bringing quite a lot to the table. But let's talk about the main guy, the 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 alpha samurai wolf. Uh, that is Tsuki. So he is. Um, Tw- oh, I think it might be a she. she? I, I hear it's a she. Yeah, I hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. You, well, it's very. We, we shall say they, um, and that applies yep. to both. Uh, um, so you have um, a pretty pretty awesome looking profile, if I'm honest. So it's 21 rice, pretty expensive um, in the grand scheme of things. But um, I think you really pay for the utility of this character. And he is a force, uh, sorry, they are a force multiplier across the board. So you've got um, coordinated attack wolf, endurance, leadership um, of the wolves, so 1-6 pack two six so can coordinate with up to two other um wolf models prowess melee and uh tireless so tireless is phenomenal um but his uh sorry their key feats are where it really comes alive so you've got um the ability to gain faint but the one you want to use all the time is hunt so hunt targets a friendly model within six and gives them tireless as well and now having two models in your faction with tireless is something your opponents don't want to go up against because then you start really looking at kind of like order activation sequences and who goes first and who's attacking who. And sometimes you can type the guys that, that your opponent doesn't want to be using and kind of force them to make attacks with them where, whereby you're not losing any of your activations either. So it can be really important to get that kind of tireless off on the right um, kind of like uh, opportunity on on the right models at the right time. Um, you can't just go around using it every turn. I think it doesn't work. But um, as soon as people start getting tied up, it, it's a really, really useful ability to have. I think it's phenomenal. Honestly, when I've been playing against these guys, if I can't take an activation off of them and I lose an activation, I know later in a turn it's going to go very badly unless i have a real solid number advantage it instantly makes me not want to go for the tireless model so it's a it's actually a really good way of protecting them from other from being targeted by the enemy models my from my perspective yeah i I think you like you any turn you think it will come into effect you think you generally try to get out there it's an it's an active key feat it's only one rice it's once turn, but yeah, I mean, it, if you've got a good candidate, um, it does seem really good. I, I think that's you are starting to pay like over twenty rice for for this one, so you start to get into that kind of territory where they're bringing something um, a little bit special to the table, and I think that's uh, yeah, like I said, it's one of the big things that they can put out there. They've got it themselves. Suddenly, you've got uh, two Talos models in a faction that's kind of all built around um this this um this um uh wearing you out game and doing it very well so it's also worth flagging something on his profile that often i overlook um but it's the ability to key boost your uh, movement 
Um, and this obviously came up in the game uh, that I had against Darren um, probably about a month ago. But I felt it was such an invaluable ability. Like, so you, you key boost in your movement, but that extra inch can buy you a lot of ground on a table that's only 24 inches by 24 inches. And especially if it's to do with a charge or if it's to do with that engage, instantly you've got to look at that increased threat range and start to worry about where you're positioning your models. Um, and your opponents have to stay probably a bit further away than what they were planning to. Um, it's just increasing that threat range. And I think it's been, it was useful. I maybe caught Darren out when I was using it and he'd probably be a bit more uh, cautious next time. But it's also making me consider a lot more about where my opponents might also have those kind of uh, key movement boosts um, and trying to stay away from them. Yeah, because it, it is expensive boosting your movement. But in this, this specific example we were, we're talking about, you've got your Tusky got to use Pack to bring one of the other samurai with um, with them into combat with my model. And spending free key to be able to do that was really vital because uh, this is basically a situation where I had two jungle pirates that had flanked onto one of the sides of the board. And if Adam had just put a samurai in, it would have been okay. Probably wouldn't really have mattered too much. But the two together just annihilated this pirate with no problem at all. So it's, it was really worth those three key. It's, it's not that common to be able to boost your movement, not like boosting melee or even range. Um, like I see it in, in Ito on um, the the heavy and um yeah like it comes up very sparsely and like um three of the guys in that set can boost their movement i think on the the, the sort of the younger it says muna and yui that can do it that's that's kind of useful because sometimes if you if you've got to get everyone in to base to base with someone suddenly it starts getting a little bit difficult when you're the, the second or third model you kind of need a bit of extra an extra inch maybe or two than you actually thought because um you know like you have to get round to your friends and to their, you know, to to their side or whatever. Um, having it on her, I think, is um, it just is just really, um, like I said, increases her threat range, allows her to keep up with the walls as well. If you want to go in with the walls, so you, suddenly you've got got this massive threat range that the enemy's got to worry about. Uh, it's just a great option to have in in the in your back pocket if you want to go down that that route. Um, and with their ability to get on the table. Um, scout onto the table and and generally not care about um, being exhausted um, like the, like most models um, they can really I think Darren's mentioned this before they can really catch models out uh, models out perhaps thought they were safe to to run around to you know on the on the early turns and stuff like that sometimes they can get um, caught out by by these guys um, because of their speed um, you kind of got to have a, that plan in mind I think from the outset I think early on in the game you you may even need uh, one of the um, uh, special cards to enable that to happen, but yeah, it's just it's just a great great mobility for these guys, and they they can really um, make that pay off for them. So yeah, I, I I haven't seen it so much in action myself, but I, I do like that. That that sounds really appealing. It's a good option. I mean, I think it's a good point about um, the threat range of this army is actually really long. So. Not always, but typically in a game of Bushido, you are fairly safe to run on the first turn because you know the enemy can't really get to you. But against the Wolf Clan, because they've got the scout 
and because they love exhaustive models even more they love exhaustive models as run um, they are quite happy to run themselves and then melee into someone and that actually gives them a pretty decent threat range of 10 inches anyway but you can if you've got these models that can boost it can get even further than that and with their two inches scout move that actually means they've got a lot of coverage of the board where you have to be really careful and so it is worth noting that you shouldn't basically run against <laughs> you just want to kind of move up slowly <laughs> it's the um full moon item that gives you an extra key at the start of the game so you could you could just have i don't know um you or something like that just kind of like like no one's really expecting this and you know you just suddenly boost your movement and um and zoom across the battlefield um could be could be quite a a, a bit of a surprise in play um it certainly puts pressure on um objectives depending on deployment it it, uh, it really can put pressure on objectives like the the typical idle mission that central objective if, if you take a scout yourself you're quite used to being able to grab it or if i'm tengu i'm quite used to being able to grab it and all of a sudden i'm, I'm like mm, i gotta be very careful <laughs> you know because um it's I've been caught off guard by that for sure. So I think, um, yeah, in general, that's that's all the, the the kind of models within the the set that they released, the hundred rice or like you said, Craig, ninety five rice set. Um, I think they're a really unique faction that play a lot into kind of their strengths and really double down on the theme of the wolves. Um, I love the way that they interact with one another and the opponents um, on the battlefield. Um, and I really think that they they've got a lot coming. Like I think this isn't the only wolf profiles we'll see. I think in the hopefully in the Shiho faction box we might get one or two additional models that can kind of join in with the kind of wolf theme um, to just add a bit more utility and a few different kind of list building options there. Um, but I guess one to talk about that they have also released. Um, I've not actually used it yet, but um, it'd be good to see it on the field. So this is Tanaka Kaizu and Air. Um, pretty expensive, right? 25 rice. But this guy's got the weirdest profile I've seen on any Bushido model. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this guy? I think you need to explain him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let, let, let's talk a bit about his profile because it is weird. So it's he's got five melee dice, which I think he's the only model that's actually got five melee dice um, in the game um he's got four ranged uh dice pool uh, he's not got a ranged weapon um he's got four movement and he's got key stat of two which maximum key of eight um his weapon is a katana it, it has reach which is weird for a katana because it's quite a short weapon um sharp one combo attack zero counter strike defense one and sidestep defense zero but then we move on to his actual um so skills so he's got endurance fearless indomitable five which means he can take on six models sorry uh, five models without being outnumbered um last stand pack two six prowess melee range defense two split attack tireless and vengeance takashi i mean this guy's just packing every skill under under one roof right yeah um yeah, it's a crazy profile, really. He, he then also has two sets of wound traps. So the model's on a 40 mil base. He's defending. It's like this guy, uh, Kaizu, defending the air, which is this little cub. 
Um, he's got six wound boxes himself. The Cubs got two, depending on like how you use him. Um, he has aware and defensive. If he is, um, if he's in combat, you can choose to lose those. Um, but if you do, then any wounds you take as a result of combat go on the air first, which only has two wound boxes. So it's a pretty weird profile. He's got some interesting key feats, so absolute mastery for one key uh, as an instant. For each model that would cause a melee assist penalty on this model, even if it is ignored by Indomitable, this model gains plus one melee pull and plus one melee weapon strength until the end of the melee exchange. I mean, that's that's pretty scary. Um yeah, he wants to be outnumbered. But then you've also got intercept. So when a friendly model in the pulse is selected for a melee action, uh, this model becomes the new target. So he is just there to, you know, he just he looks crazy. Like I, I'm scared by him, just because he's twenty five rice, and I just don't know how to use him. And I feel like if I put him in a list, it's not going to go well for me because I don't know what I'm doing with him. But I can definitely see there's something special going on with this profile. Definitely be interesting to see him play. He's he's really interesting model, and um, yeah, I'd like to see him on the table. Um, great. So, do you any special cards you like to call out? So this is maybe one of the one of the weaknesses. Really, I don't think there's anything major in there that really jumps out at me. Um, the two that I tend to lean upon if I am taking anything. So um, in in the wolf set in particular, so they have a four four rice card that um, that really plays into the faction's kind of um, pack traits. So Prime, yeah, um, primal how. Um, it's very yeah. expensive, but if played right, you can get effectively two charges that don't cost any of your characters their activations, um, which is phenomenal, really. If you think about it, that's four activations that you're that you're not having to burn to get two charges off and deny your opponents two um, two activations for obviously combating them if you can make it into combat. Yeah, it's really good. I, th- I think time is quite on that one but when i have seen it go off well it's been phenomenal and the other one i think it's a, a wolf heart talisman or something like that it's one one rice yeah full, full moon talisman and it gives you kind of you you don't suffer penalties for melee assists so you can still provide them if you're in base to base with other models which is quite handy for the wolves when they're trying to gang up in packs um i guess the one other card to to call out that i think i used in my last game and i'd like to see more utility out of it um is the vial of rajan's breath um so this gives a model cloud walk plus two move for the for the activation um but it just again it's just one of those that in a faction where by kind of timing of attacks and engagement with coordinated is so crucial it can give you that extra leverage just to cover that bit of extra ground that the opponent probably wasn't predicting yeah, oh, absolutely. That that's quite scary. I think it's a really good combo uh, for these guys. Um, I, say, I I quite like um, the one that gives them range, defense, and aware. Um, the uh, is it okay? Okay, me no Mimi, something like that. It's uh, it, that that sounds pretty good, but it's a bit situational, I guess. It depends who you come up against. But at least it's an event card, so you can wait till the opposition goes for a model and. Um, bring it out then so it's you know at least one of them probably in your back pocket is is quite handy 
but uh, yeah, hard hard to get it all in, I guess, because you've only got that kind of amount of wiggle room. And if you quite like your primal how, that's using up quite a lot of your your slots already. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely an expensive card, and sometimes I question it just because it's such a commitment. Um, four ice is a lot. Um, it's, it it does provide the value if you're in the right situation, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can end up t- spending four rice, and it doesn't bring bring that many opportunities within a game um and that's where you start to go mm, okay maybe i should spend that four rice elsewhere that's um yeah i think that's pretty much summed up the shio um as they stand aka the wolf clan yeah oh, brilliant well thank you very much adam for two great reviews there no glad glad to join you guys and um Thank you for having me on. It's all right. And it's, it's good to get the other side of the uh, table as well, as you know, uh, something we'll hopefully get people on more in the future. So that it's uh, it's not just us giving our one-sided opinion on every, every game, <laughs> how we were cheated or... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hear all the stuff you say yeah. about me. Anyway, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> Great. Um, and, and on that note, uh, we do have some plans. Um, I, I, I intend to cover uh, Silver Moon in uh, Trade Syndicate in due course, because uh, they're uh, one, one of my favourite factions. Um, I've just been trying to play with them a little bit more. We actually recorded um, our game. Just, it was more of a, just a test of a recording than, than anything else. Um, might be possible to do more recordings of games um, for YouTube or um, video recordings, it uh, it potentially won't with the current evolving situation, which is a bit of a shame because uh, I wasn't really expecting it. I just turned up at Gav's house and he kind of had it all set up to go. So um, just jumped in um, and it was quite a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to create a YouTube channel uh, <laughs> that day either, but, you know, these things just happen sometimes, don't they? And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So we're doing videos now. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> that's what we, yeah I guess that, that wasn't really in, 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 on the docket, but then, yeah. Um, uh, but it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was, and uh, Gav, Gav did the editing, so um, he did a great job of um, turning that around in next to no time. Um you know guys very productive guy so yeah that was um that was great to see and hopefully next time we use properly painted models you kind of well i, I had to use some painted models just because i wanted to um, do do a bit of research basically for the show um but uh yeah check check that out if you if you want to see a battle report it's not too long um it's a fun game it was great to see the game that you and gav played it was interesting and uh, we've got some good ideas of other matchups that we'd like to see on the table that are quite quite exciting. So we'll definitely keep trying to produce as much content as we have time for and um, try and support the hobby. Um, but yeah, we, we, we plan to probably get some other friends of the show and guest speakers on as well um, to, to help us cover off uh, Ryu and uh, Ninjas potentially as well. Uh, so we'll see how we get to with with those um as as we're sort of making sure we we provide as much coverage as possible um we haven't really spoke about ronin and what we want to do there um we might might have to come back to those uh, as well but i think uh, a lot of this is meant to be kind of more starter sets and beyond so um i think at the moment we're just trying to cover off the main uh, the main factions 
um so yeah so that's 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 kind of the plans um on that note then uh probably just one last big thank you for adam coming on giving us um all his experience with these guys and um and insights that's been really helpful to get someone who's first-hand played with these guys um on the show to talk about them um and, and gives everyone something fresh and, and interesting to listen to so thanks a lot for that adam it's really appreciated uh did a great did a great job no well thanks very much for having me on the show um it's been really great to talk about kind of two factions that i've been playing and um really enjoying playing as well i must add that i really i'm really really impre- impressed with the um third edition of bushido um and it's given me something to get back into like a, there's like there's lots of different games that i play but this is a really nice game that you can get out and it's on a nice size board and it still feels like it's got a lot of that lot a lot of tactical depth but with very few miniatures and that's what i love the most about it so really looking forward to seeing kind of the design space evolve with the two factions that i've partic- uh, picked up particularly the the Shiho clan great and um do check out um average gamers um um podcast if you if you because you play a lot of games don't you and... oh yeah I, sh- I should probably say that actually so yeah i i co-host another podcast it's called the average gamers podcast um we're on uh, stitch soundcloud um uh, apple podcasts um spotify um where we cover so it's myself um co-host lee and um we have a few kind of guest appearances as well for different friends uh, we talk more broadly about games. We cover lots of broad spectrum stuff. So from 40K to Infinity to Bushido. Uh, we also go into a lot of kind of like board games, which is predominantly our thing. Um, but yeah, in general, it's just us talking a bunch of rubbish um, as mates about kind of our experiences and adventures with uh, with board games, uh, in particularly uh, Darren's ability to kind of roll dice Um and all the goats that he sacrifices in order to get those sixes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true, it's true. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely a good watch, uh, listen, in fact, if you, uh, if you like the board games, you, I'm sure you'll like it. If you like people rambling for like an hour and a half, then please do, do listen, you know, love to have you. Cool. All right, then. Um, well, let's call it there then. Well, thank, thanks very much for listening and, um, We'll hopefully release some more content soon. Great. Okay, thanks. thanks. Bye.